It's another glorious morning here in Nebraska, and boy, have we got a great show for you today. This is Scotty O of eFree103, and we're taking calls regarding the daily grind. Looks like we have Billy here on the line. Go ahead, Billy. Let's hear it. Hey, Scotty. Billy, am I hearing pigs in the background there? Oh. Yep. Funny you say that, because that's why I'm calling. You see, I'm a hired hand. I work for this real swell farmer. He's a great guy and all, but I tell you, sometimes I feel like I ain't much. You ain't much? What do you mean? You know, anybody can do what I do. I just chore around the farm and help out at harvest. Like I said, anybody can do it. So what's the point? Sometimes I look at what a piddly life I lead and the simple stuff I do, and it's like I ain't amounted to much. So, Billy, essentially, you're wondering what's the purpose? Well, I didn't say it near so fancy, but I guess so. What if you take your focus off of what you're doing and rather whom you're doing it for? Mr. Hooversnack? Think bigger. God? Yes. I'm feeding pigs for God right now? Yes. Why, yes, you are, Billy. You do know I ain't in a church right now, right? You don't have to just work in a ministry to be doing God's work. Everyday life is God's work. I'm reminded of Colossians 3.23. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for men. This means everything you do, give it your best because you have value. You're working for the King of Kings, not just Mr. Hooverstruck. Hoover-snack. Not just Mr. Hoover, Hoover-snack. Exactly. So, God cares that I'm just a farmhand? You're not just a farmhand. In his eyes, nobody's just anything. To all you Billies and Sallies out there, remember, we people were created to work and work comes in all different shapes and sizes. And there's no ranking or prioritization of that work. Only certain people can do certain jobs. And every job is necessary. Which means because every person is necessary, every person matters. Stick around as we explore other cogs and gears in this life we call the daily grind. This is Scotty O at eFree103 saying... Until next time. Well, good morning. That's good stuff, isn't it? Don't you appreciate Scotty O doing that for us? I love that. No one's just anything. Oof, that's a good word. What if we believe that? Nobody's just anything. No specific job that I'm just that. My name's Adrian. I'm one of the pastors here at Carnegie Free. If we haven't met, love to connect you after the service. If you're watching online today, we welcome you as well. So glad that you're here with us today for worship. Um, are, are you glad you came to church and you got a scratch card today? <laughs> Maybe a first, right? Okay, a good kind of scratch card. Perhaps the last. But uh, I love this idea that Justine and that team has laid out because... We have an opportunity to contribute to the advancement of what God wants to do in the world in our neighborhoods, in our workplaces, 
in the daily places that we frequent, in our daily rhythms, in all of those, God chooses to use you and me, ordinary folks, in profound ways in other lives of ordinary people even today for the expansion of his kingdom. He wants to do that. And so we've been talking about that across this past fall as it relates to our initiative from Sunday to every day. And that, that relates really well to what we're talking about in this message series, The Daily Grind, doesn't it? Because we've been looking at this idea of our work that oftentimes feels like a daily grind and how we would begin to work in a different way that we would personally be more satisfied in our jobs, but more than our personal satisf satisfaction, how do we work for God? And how do we work to benefit others? And what does it mean to use what God has given to actually enjoy the way he's made us even in the workplace? What we're talking about here applies to stay-at-home moms. It applies to stay-at-home dads. It applies to those who are retired and who are asking the question, how do I mentor in this stage of life? Those who are asking, how do I volunteer in this stage of life? This is really for all of us because it's about how do I use my time to advance what God wants done in the world here and now. Like you can only bloom one place last time I checked. And the place you can bloom is the place you've been planted. So God would have, God decides that he would use us in this place where we live, where we work, where we serve starting today. The message title though this morning is The Spiritual Service of dishwashing. We could have called it, I thought about the spiritual service of plumbing or the spiritual service of marketing in a materialistic world or the spiritual service of trying to build a business with great ethics or the spiritual service of just about any secular job you could think of. I hate using that word secular. I don't even believe in that word, honestly. But it's kind of the word that we have. It's the term though, that we use. I've called it the spiritual service of dishwashing because of one, of one of my spiritual mentors was a dishwasher. His name is Brother Lawrence, and he was a 17th century Carmelite monk in France. And he wrote a beautiful little book. I emphasize little because it's less than 100 pages beautiful little book on how he would practice the presence of God in all of his daily endeavors. And I read this book every few years, probably read it four or five different times. It's become a part of me. It's probably the book on prayer that has shaped me more than any other book. And he learned how to serve God while he was in a monastery, and his job in the monastery was to be the dishwasher. He wasn't a high up, elevated, spiritual man. He wasn't into the theological treatises. He wasn't into the philosophical debates. He was into gaining a greater knowledge of Jesus, coming to know him and love him more, and helping other people to do the same. And he was started to see, he started to kind of become a mentor, a spiritual mentor of sorts for many other people in the monastery, and he, he helped them to love Christ more as well. But his daily job was this. For 40 years, every day, he was a dishwasher. And he would pray these words. Lord of all 
pots and pans and things. Make me a saint by getting meals and washing up the plates. Did you get that? Let me say it again. Lord of all pots and pans and things, make me a saint by getting the meals and washing up the plates. And he did that so thoroughly across so many years that he talks about this beautiful integration that began to happen between his faith and his work. And the truth is, many of us do not feel that integration. What we feel instead is a segmentation. That I have work over here, and then I have another category for faith over here. And the spiritual life happens on Sunday morning, maybe on Wednesday night, maybe at life group, but the rest of life doesn't really intersect that much with that. That wasn't Brother Lawrence's experience. Over time, he could even say to one of his mentees these words, the time of business does not with me differ from the time of prayer. And in the noise and clatter of my kitchen, while several persons are calling for different things, I possess God in as great a tranquility as if I were upon my knees at the communion table itself. Mm. Could you imagine that you're in such a state of enjoyment of God that you possess God, that you recognize the Holy Spirit is in you and very near to you, and you're enjoying communion with Him in the same way as you are when you take the Lord's Supper as when you are doing the dishes. I mean, come on. This is incredible. But he developed this over the course of time because he understood that we can do our natural day-to-day activities in a spiritual kind of way. We can recognize though, that we can be natural about spiritual things and spiritual about natural things. What Brother Lawrence didn't do, and one of the things that's made him so refreshing for me over the years, is he talks about prayer and he talks about his devotional life. He doesn't talk in like a, a hyper-religious manner. Do you know someone who speaks Christianese? That wasn't Brother Lawrence. He didn't speak in a way that people couldn't understand because he used so much religious jargon. He didn't do that. He just talked about God in the most natural, everyday, approachable way. And then he integrated that into his life at work as well. I want to talk about that a little bit with you as we open up the scriptures to Exodus chapter 35. If you have a Bible with you today, you can open it to Exodus 35. If you don't, you can follow along on the screen use your version app, however you get your scriptures is just fine. If you don't have a Bible, by the way, we'd love to give one to you as our gift to you. You can get that out at the information table as we open up a passage or two each and every Sunday, seeking to understand what the scriptures say and how they would apply to our lives. And in this passage, well, we're going to look at two men by the name of Bezalel and Oholiab. Can you give thanks to God for your names? Say those with me. Bezalel and Oholiab. I didn't hear too many of you. Ready? 
Bezalel and Aholiab. And Bezalel and Aholiab are with a large group of people that are wandering through the wilderness. After they were slaves in Egypt, God gives them liberation from that awful slavery. And Moses is now preparing them for their entry into the promised land. And he's going to help them as they begin to build this tabernacle such that they would know God is with them wherever they go. So we pick up the story there in Exodus 35, starting at verse 30. Then Moses said to the Israelites, See, the Lord has chosen Bezalel, son of Uri, the son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah, and he, God, has filled him, Bezalel, with the Spirit of God. With wisdom, with understanding, with knowledge, and with all kinds of skills. To make artistic designs for work in gold, silver, and bronze, to cut and set stones, to work in wood, and to engage in all kinds of artistic crafts. And he has given both him and Oholiab, son of Ahissamach, of the tribe of Dan, the ability to teach others. He has filled them with skill to do all kinds of work, as engravers and designers and embroiderers in blue, purple, and scarlet yarn and fine linen and weavers, all of them skilled workers and designers. So Bezalel, Oholiab, and every skilled person, many others, to whom the Lord has given skill and ability to know how to carry out all the work of constructing the sanctuary are to do the work just as the Lord has commanded. Uh, here's the big idea that you got to get from that passage as it relates to us here today. God gives you spiritual gifts to serve him in the physical world. God gives you spiritual gifts to serve him in the physical world that he's called you into. Last week we talked about this beautiful truth that we are all made in the image and likeness of God and God would have us bear forth his image to the world in whatever we do. And so from 8 to 5, many of us go out into the work world and our main job there is actually to represent God to the world. And so for many of us, we're artists who co-create with God, God created first, and we get to co-create as we do art, as we build, as we design, as we do construction, as we develop businesses, as we build family culture, all of those kinds of things. And others of us are more like designers. We are more like gardeners whose responsibility is to take care of the good that God has created, that other people have made, and we get to garden or maintain the good that has been made all around us. And so you have nurses, and you have custodians, and you have mechanics, and all different kinds of people who are maintaining, taking care of what other people have made. But whatever you do, it's really not about the job, it's about God who gave us the job. And God is the worker, he's the original worker, he makes us in his likeness to also be workers, and we get to bear forth his goodness in whatever we do. Now, to help us with that, when we became followers of Christ, if you are a Christian today, this is part of what God gave you. God gave you a spiritual gift of some kind. Did you know that? 
that when you became a Christian, not only did God choose to put his Holy Spirit in you, not only did God forgive you for all of time and all of eternity, not only did he, did he make you a child of God for the first time when previously you were not, that not, not only did he do all of those things and give you fellowship with Jesus, but also he gives you a spiritual gift so that you would be able to serve other people in a unique and special way that is perhaps different than the way I would be able to serve other people. It's different for all of us. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and this is one of a number of passages in the New Testament that speak about spiritual gifts given by God to us. It says, There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them all. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, if I was to go back to my Bible later on today, I would circle or highlight the word everyone, in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. And so God gives these very diverse gifts to diverse people for diverse kinds of work. Yours will be different than the person next to yours. We'll talk about how you can find out your spiritual gifts uh, to some degree later on in this series in a few weeks. But there's lots of spiritual gift inventories you can take as well, and it's a great thing to talk about with a spiritual leader that you might have. For our purposes here today, I want to say this. There are different kinds of spiritual gifts that even can be categorized to some degree. The first one that we think about most frequently is the one that is spoken of most frequently in the New Testament. It's spiritual gifts for spiritual acts of service. So you think of spiritual gifts, you probably think of things like preaching, or teaching, or prayer in faith, or perhaps being able to share your faith with other people, what we call evangelism, one of those kinds of spiritual gifts, the gift of being able to start and build churches, those kinds of things. Those are spiritual gifts for spiritual work. But that's not the only kind of spiritual gifts that are listed in the scriptures. There's also spiritual gifts for what you would call organizational work. So like uh, God has made some of you to be managers. And the Bible tells us that some people are gifted with an ability to be leaders, to be administrators. Other people are gifted well with the ability called hospitality, that you have a unique ability to bring people into your home and turn strangers into acquaintances and acquaintances into friends in short order. And what a wonderful spiritual gift if God has given you that. And there are many examples of people with these spiritual gifts in the scriptures. People like Daniel, who was ruling kind of a vice president in Babylon, and he was spiritually gifted by God to do great work on behalf of God's people, even when they were in this foreign land called Babylon. Or Joseph, during the years of slavery in Egypt, same kind of thing. So I look over the room here today, and I see some managers I see administrators. I see people in the room today who are police officers or school administrators or they work for the government or they've developed a nonprofit or a business. You probably have the spiritual gift of administration or management or leadership. Awesome. Thanks be to God. Then there's these other gifts that are spoken of here in Exodus 35 and 36 that are spiritual gifts for physical service. 
Listen again to what it says. Verse 31. He, that is God, has filled him, Bezalel, with the Spirit of God, with wisdom, with understanding, with knowledge, and with all kinds of skills. He filled him with the Spirit of God to do these things. Ready? To make churches? To preach sermons? To pray over people? No. Don't miss it. Don't miss it. To make artistic designs. <laughs> he gifted them by the Spirit of God to be a designer. For work in gold and silver and bronze, to cut and set stones, to be a carpenter, to work with wood, to engage in all kinds of artistic crafts, including with linen and fabric and all kinds of things. What were Bezalel and Aholiab's gifts? They were gifted to do holy handiwork with their hands. And then to construct the tabernacle and eventually later on, the temple. Friends, this is a liberating idea, I hope, for some of you in this room. Because we have this tendency in the church to talk about first-class spiritual gifts and second-class spiritual gifts. But there's no such thing as a second-class spiritual gift as given by the first-class Holy Spirit. Okay? And so God has given different gifts to each of us to serve other people in a variety of different ways. And so I see people who are accountants and they have this ability to organize through math and help me maximize my tax deductions each March and April, to which I say, thanks be to God. I don't got that. I see others who have, like, do you know a farmer who's able to fix anything? It's just incredible to me as I've gotten to know some farmers since moving here four and a half years ago, like the spiritual gift of resourcefulness, of industry, a, a handyman. I know some handymen in this room are able to do anything with practically any material. Could it be that God has given those men and women spiritual gifts for their physical acts of service to bring blessing to other people and even to honor God. Hmm. I pray that you believe that's true. If there was a first class gift in the Old Testament, it's found probably back in Exodus 28 when God anoints certain people to be priests. And their job was to be mediators between a holy God and very unholy people. Us. All of us. Me included. Not us and them, all of us unholy. And the priests had this really, really important work of bringing the sins of the people to a holy God. Incredibly important work. And they're anointed by God, spiritually filled by God for this work. But even there, even if that was like an elevated gift in the Old Testament, when you get to the New Testament, even that is leveled out and equalized. Look up on the screen at 1 Peter chapter 2, and perhaps you would read this verse out loud with me as the Apostle Peter is speaking about this beautiful reality that we are all priests now. Would you please join me and read together? But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light. You 
are a holy priesthood. You're a priest, every bit as much as I am a priest. Here you have a fisherman named Peter who says, I am now a priest, and you, my church, in this case, in modern-day Israel and Palestine that he was writing to back then, he says, you are all priests if you've bowed your knee to Christ, you've accepted him as Lord, you're seeking to follow him, you now have direct access to God himself, and the ground is level. There is no first or second class anything. Obviously before the cross, but also in terms of our ability to approach God and this special, unique privilege that we have that we would be royal priests ourselves. Okay, I want to make this really practical. As we look forward to next week, and we're going to talk next week about the idea, what do we do when work stinks? Anybody? Okay, this is going to be the, next week's going to be the most important message for some of you to attend because some of us just can't stand our jobs right now. I heard that from you last week. Okay, what do we do when work stinks? But then as we look back on what we talked about last week, being made in the image and likeness of God, and what I just said today about spiritual gifts used for the physical world that we live in, how can we make our jobs more enjoyable? How can we get more out of them? How can we serve in a way that God would want us to serve? And I want to give you three recommendations from that here right now. Here's the first. Excellent, faithful work done before God will ultimately encourage other people including you. Excellent and faithful work done before God will ultimately encourage other people that you work with when they see you working in a unique matter, manner, when it's excellent and it's ethical and it's consistent. And ultimately, you will be more encouraged in your job, not by complaining about your job, but by doing your very best within your job. The truth is, whether we like our jobs or not, will come and go for all of us. Me too. Whether we like our jobs or not will come and go for all of us. But what does not come or go is why we do our jobs and who we do our jobs for. And with that, the opportunity to serve others as we do our jobs. I want to show you a beautiful illustration that I saw a number of months ago, and perhaps some of you have seen it. It's the best cup of coffee ever. Take a look. I will never forget that cup of coffee. Well, a couple years ago, I was traveling when my schedule worked out on Christmas Eve. I thought the airport was gonna be a zoo, so I got there a couple hours early. It wasn't, it wasn't crowded at all, so for me, that means coffee. So I get, I get down into my terminal, Terminal D, and I see the green sign, and when I travel these days, I always wear earbuds, you know, so I'm, I'm rocking out to Coldplay. And I see the sign, I get in line, and there's one woman in front of me, and she's having a very animated conversation with the barista. She's kind of waving her arms, and they're both smiling and laughing. So I wasn't in a rush, but out of curiosity, it popped out my earbuds. And sure enough, you know, they're going on about their holidays and their plans and the kids and presents, and she starts to move down the line. So it's my turn to order. And I was greeted with this very warm and sincere welcome. This woman said to me, Hi, my name's Lily. What's your name? I said, I'm Ryan. She said, Ryan, what can I make for you today? I said, well, I, I want a grande pumpkin spice latte. She said, you want whipped cream on that, don't you? 
I said, yeah, yeah, I want the whipped cream. She said, I'll tell you what I'm gonna do. She said, I'm gonna make it extra hot, load it up with whipped cream, sprinkle a little nutmeg on top. That's how I like it, you're gonna love it. I said, sounds great. She said, where are you going? I said, Cleveland? She said, are you going back to Cleveland to spend the holiday with your family? I said, yes. <laughs> now at this point, I start looking around for the camera, right? I mean, I'm trying to get a latte. So I move down the line and the conversation continues and she's funny. She's asking me questions about my family and our holiday traditions. She's laughing and I'm laughing. And she hands me my drink and says to me, Ryan, have a safe trip back to Cleveland. Go create some extraordinary memories with your family. When you come back through the Minneapolis airport, I want you to stop here and tell me all about it. <laughs> you know, so I, I get my drink, I start walking away, and I stop and I look back at this woman, and I think to myself, you know, it's, it's Christmas Eve. Most people would rather be anywhere else in the world than serving coffee in an airport. Not her. It was like she was meant to be there. And I, I couldn't help myself. I had to go back. So I did. I walked back and I said, excuse me, Lily. And you know, she jumps around. Ryan, is everything okay with the latte? I said, no. I said, the latte is perfect. I just had to come back and ask you, what, what is your secret to making such meaningful connections over serving coffee? Well, she, she corrected me. She said, Ryan, I'm not serving coffee. I said, okay, what are you doing? <laughs> she had thought about this. She had thought about this. And what she told me was, I'm pouring happiness into people's lives. I said, you're pouring what? Like, what is pouring happiness? And her definition of pouring happiness, she wants to be happy in her life. She wants to be around happy people. She cares about her customers. She wants them to come back. So she chooses, even on Christmas Eve, to smile, to have fun, to help people, to just be happy. Instead of just focusing on how to be successful, focus on how to be helpful. The other thing she understands and masters straight away is the very specific and intentional decision around how she chooses to show up, even on Christmas Eve. You know this, a lot of things happen in work and in our lives that are beyond our sphere of influence or control. She doesn't control the weather in Minneapolis, trust me, I live there. All she gets to own is how she chooses to respond to those things. Decide how you show up. You know, it's interesting, when I, when I met Lily, and she would have had no way of knowing this, but I, uh, I was pretty heavy in the heart and had a lot on my mind, and my parents, both retired school teachers, married 45 years. About three months before that holiday, I got a call from mom. We got some really tough medical news about dad. Uh, it was a terminal diagnosis, and we knew we probably weren't gonna have a lot of time. So I was sitting in that airport on Christmas Eve, not in the best place in the world. I will never forget that cup of coffee. When you decide to show up, consistently as the best version of who you are, it gives you your best opportunity to meet people where they are. And you never know when someone needs you to be your best. Pretty good, huh?
God doesn't choose us to be successful. God chooses us to be faithful. Like, I think the way she put it, or the way he put it about her, is instead of showing up and trying to be successful, show up and try to be helpful. That's a good word. Perhaps even a better word, theologically speaking, is don't seek to be successful. Seek to be faithful. Success is the Lord's. Faithfulness is ours. Ours is to do excellent, faithful, God-honoring, helpful, encouraging work every day. And then success will usually follow, but that is the Lord's. So what does this look like? It looks like, I mean, if you have a construction truck of some kind, or you're responsible for some kind of skilled labor, and you go around in your truck, and you have a fish symbol on the back of your truck, but you do shoddy work from time to time, then do us all a favor and take the fish symbol off. Or... If you call yourself a Christian, if you are a Christian, on Sunday morning, but you go to work on Monday morning and you're not nice to your coworkers, you're mean to your coworkers, or you gossip about a coworker, or you are disrespectful to a boss, then do us all a favor and don't call yourself a Christian. Am I connected with anyone here? I, I mean, I'm telling you, like it's that big of a deal. This is the place. That for most of us, for 45 to 50 hours a week, we get to bear forth the image and likeness of God to a watching world. And excellent, faithful work done day after day will no doubt encourage other people and it will build you up. It'll, en it'll enhance your enjoyment of your job as well, even if it's serving coffee on Christmas Eve from the back of an airport, which nobody would want to do on Christmas Eve. Second, excellent faithful work, you got to know this, done before God, excellent faithful work will be rewarded. This is the very point of the parable of the talents found in Matthew chapter 25. I'm not going to go there right now, but you might look at it later on today. God gives different talents to different people, different gifts to each of us. He gives some more than others, but what he demands is that each of us would be faithful with what he has given, that we would be obedient with what he has given to us. And he says that if we are faithful with what we with what he has given us, if we multiply what he has given us, then he's going to give us more. He says, well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful. You've been obedient with a few things. Now let me put you in charge of many things. And part of the scripture's beautiful teaching is this reality that if we do what we've been given to do well, we will be rewarded not only in this life, but even more in the life to come. Like, we know that in the workplace, well, when you see someone who is honoring to their boss, who is good to their coworkers, who does a great job at their job day in and day out, who is faithful, they tend to get rewarded, don't they? Maybe not 100% of the time, but as a general rule, those people get rewarded. 
And so also, in addition, after we die, the truth of the scripture is God not only rewards us for our days here on, on earth, but after we die, if we serve him well, he will multiply those rewards for us in eternity. I actually believe that when we die, we'll be given responsibilities in heaven. Perhaps really good work to do without all the thorns and thistles. It won't just be stringing a harp. It'll be way better than that. And the rewards that we get are based on how we serve with what we're given today. The Apostle Paul says the same thing over in Colossians chapter 3. If you look at that up on the screen, it says, Whatever you do, work at it with all of your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters. Since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward, you will receive a promotion, if you will, from the Lord as an inheritance. You remember that it is the Lord Christ that you are serving. Apparently, our God really likes a job done well. He really likes it when we work well on a day-in and day-out basis, and he chooses to reward that. You go back to that video once again. It was noted about the barista that she masters the specific and intentional decision about how she chooses to show up. This is what we have control over, isn't it? Whether it be your job or your work as a student, you might be in a school right now, college, elementary school, whatever, your decision, your control is how do you show up. It's not over the various things that happen. We have very little control over our workplace, let alone what happens in this world. We recognize that our influence in this world is actually pretty small, but we do have control over is how we show up to do our jobs, how we encourage other people, and who we are ultimately serving for. The work you do before God will be rewarded. And then finally, excellent, faithful service done before God is liberating. I was talking to a man in this church um, probably about a month ago, a friend of mine, and I was asking him how his job was going. And he said to me, frankly, Adrian, I'm not enjoying my job that much these days. He said, I used to really enjoy my job. I love the work that I do. I've enjoyed my coworkers, but recently I haven't enjoyed the work itself. I'm just in one of those seasons where it's less enjoyable than it used to be. And there's also some interpersonal conflict with a number of the coworkers, and it's been a harder season. And so I said, knowing full well that I had a sermon series coming up, and I saw low-picking fruit of a really good illustration, how do you deal with that? And uh, he said, without missing a beat, like he had thought about it a lot. I deal with it this way. I remind myself that ultimately I am serving the Lord every day. Before each day begins, I remind myself it's the Lord Christ that I serve. And then number two, I remind myself that I'm doing this to provide for my family. Friends, if you do those two things, you can know that you are serving God on a daily basis that I wake up and I fall upon my knees and I say, God, I give you this day. Would you use it for your honor and for your good? God, I ask that you use me to help some other person today, whoever it might be. 
Like to be in the habit of doing that on a daily basis and to say, God, I thank you I get this opportunity to provide for my family even if I'm not enjoying the mechanics of this job right now, that is liberating. Remember this again from Colossians 3. Whatever you do, work at it with all of your heart as working for the Lord. It is the Lord Christ that you are serving, not any other person. And this is so liberating because for most of us, most of the frustration that we get into in work isn't mostly about the mechanics of the job itself, but it's about other people and the interpersonal drama that we oftentimes experience in the workplace. But when you remember that it's the Lord Christ that we are serving, then it changes the way you see other people, changes the way you see your boss, changes the way you see your kids when they're trying to act like your boss. It's the Lord Christ that you're serving. Like when patients are disgruntled and you're a nurse or you're a doctor, I don't ultimately serve you. I serve the king of kings. When kids are nasty, you better believe I don't ultimately serve you. I serve the king of kings. Like when I have a great boss, thank you God for my great boss. And when I have a lousy boss, thank you, God, that you're my boss. Do you see how that changes the way you see it all? That we could be freed within our work, not freed from our work. Not living for the weekends, liberated even amidst the daily grind that perhaps it would turn into eventually a daily call that we could serve God and serve others well. I'll wrap up with this. In two weeks, while well, we have a guest speaker coming in here, and on January 25th, Saturday, January 25th, we're going to have a short six-hour conference in which we'll serve lunch and refreshments, and there will be fellowship time as well. There's going to be a conference here that's put on by the Nebraska Gospel Network, and our church will be hosting it, but it's featuring author Sebastian Traeger, who served most of his life in the secular world, but he's written a beautiful book called The Gospel at Work, and he'll be here for that entire day, as well as Sunday morning, and he'll talk about how we tend to make work into an idol, or else we get really idle at work. We turn work into idolatry, or we get idle and lazy at work. But he has this great word to say to us. You can sign up for that today, by the way, at the Journey Wall. It's $35. I think it'll be well worth your time and your money to consider coming to that, especially if you're struggling in the, this area right now. But he says this, Knowing you work for King Jesus and not for any other people changes the way you approach your job. You have a new master a new assignment, a new confidence, and you have new rewards. Friends, we have a new master, and he approves of you. He loves you. He has accepted you. He has welcomed you into his family. You do not have to earn his approval. You simply receive his approval. And with that, you live out of that approval in all that you do, in all of your relationships, in all of your work, knowing full well that his spirit is inside of us, emboldening us to do what we could not do on our own. He gifts us with various gifts that we would begin to enjoy what we do. And whether it be difficult or joyous this week, we serve 
for the pleasure not of any man or woman. We serve for the pleasure of one master, our God and King, his audience alone. May it liberate you even this week. So Father, we're asking for your help. We are asking for your help to change the way we view our jobs even this week. We exist amidst the thorns and the thistles and the frustrations and the sweat and the toil of work, the difficulties with coworkers, all of that. And yet, in spite of it all, you give us this opportunity every day to work for Jesus. Father, would you help us to keep this in mind that we serve before an audience of God alone? It's the Lord Christ that we serve. It's the Lord Christ that we serve. I wonder, what what is God whispering to you right now? As you just pause and take inventory on last week's message and, and this week's message, is there something that God is whispering to you right now? You have to re-envision your frame in some way about why you're really doing your job. Maybe God's whispering to you that he's given you a special ability, a spiritual gift to use your hands or to use your mind to organize in a wonderful way that would be helpful for others. And you just say thank you to him right now. It'd be a good thing to do. Maybe right now there's a level of conviction that you recognize you really haven't done your job in an excellent and faithful manner. Well, now's the time to admit that to God and ask for his help. And know that he forgives you from first to last. He forgives you. Maybe there's someone on your mind right now at work that you know is struggling and, and God wants to use you to help them. There could be someone at school right now that you know is struggling and God wants to use you to help them. Listen to his voice. Father, we receive your guidance. We thank you that your spirit is still alive and active and whispers to us today. We would invite you to keep teaching us as we seek to give all that we have for your honor your good. We'll be careful to give you all the credit. We love you, Lord. In Christ's name.